want to talk to you tonight on a subject that's on my heart. Israel, the nation that will not go away. And I want to weave in the gospel to this message. But we're reading in Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. And as I speak on the nation of Israel, let me just say that I've left a few flyers out in the hallway this evening on a trip that I'm doing to Israel next year. It's actually a trip that's slightly different from all other trips that we've ever done to Israel. It's actually a cruise that takes in three days in Israel, two days in Egypt, a couple of days in Athens, and a day in Ephesus. And if you're interested in that, well then, it's almost booked up, but there's still a few places left. You can pick up a flyer at the door. Uh, the flyers are free, unfortunately. You have to pay for the trip. But we're reading tonight in Jeremiah 31, and we're verse 31, please. Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon, and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves are off roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. Let's keep our Bibles open there at Jeremiah chapter 31. Israel, the nation that will not go away. story is told of the Prime Minister of Israel exchanging visits with the President of the United States of America. And on the President's desk in the Oval Office there were three telephones, one red, one blue, one white. When the Israeli Prime Minister inquired about them, the President replied that the red one was a direct line to Moscow, the blue, the blue one was a direct line to London, the white one was a direct line to heaven. Asked if he used the white one often, the President said, rarely, since calls to heaven were very expensive. The, the Israeli Prime Minister said that he had three telephones back in his office in the city of Jerusalem. The red one, the blue one, and the white one. The president inquired as to the nature of these telephones. He said, well, the red one is a direct line to Paris. The blue one is a direct line to London. The white one is a direct line to heaven. The president asked the prime minister if he used the white one often. Sometimes, a number of times each day, said the prime minister of Israel. Surprised, the president of the United States asked, how the, Israeli, how the Israeli government could handle such an expensive large telephone bill. Well, said the Prime Minister, it's really not that expensive to call the Lord. You see, in Jerusalem, it's a local call. Although being in the city of Jerusalem 
will not make you automatically closer to God. The city, the nation occupies a divine place, a central place in the divine purpose. If you pick up the Bible or a newspaper on any given day and read it long enough, you can rest assured you'll read something about the nation of Israel. Contrary to what politicians say, to what pundits say, Israel, not the United States, Israel, not Russia, Israel, not the United Kingdom, Israel, not Ulster, is the most important nation on earth. Jerusalem, not Washington. Jerusalem, not Moscow. Jerusalem, not Beijing. Jerusalem, not Paris. Jerusalem, not London. Jerusalem, not London, is the most important city on this earth. Why? Well, you cannot understand the future. You cannot understand Bible prophecy. You cannot even understand the ways and the workings of God if you don't understand Israel. The Jew is God's yardstick, God's measuring rod, God's blueprint, God's outline, God's plan for the future. Israel, my friends, tonight is the geographical center of the world. Ezekiel tells us, thus saith the Lord God, this is Jerusalem, I have set it in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her. It is here, at this tiny nation, that three great continents merge and meet together, Europe, Asia, and Africa. Israel tonight is the geographical center of the world. Israel tonight is the spiritual center of the world. It is here that the Lord Jesus lived. It is here that he died. It is here that he rose again. It is here that one day he will descend from heaven. His feet will land on the Mount of Olives to reign and rule on planet earth. Three movements in the world tonight, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, claim Jerusalem as a spiritual capital. Israel tonight is the geographical center of the world. It's the spiritual center of the world. It's the prophetical center of the world. If you want to know what time it is on God's clock, look at Israel. If you want to know what day it is on God's calendar, look at Israel. If you want to know what degree it is on God's thermometer, look at Israel. You can summarize biblical prophecy tonight in three words. Jews, Jerusalem, Jesus, all are inextricably woven. But Israel tonight is not only the geographical center of the world, it's not only the spiritual center of the world, it's not only the prophetical center of the world, Israel tonight is the political center of the world. It is here that Armageddon, the last battle of the last war, will be fought. When we speak of Israel tonight, we justly confess amazing race, amazing place, amazing grace. What God has done to that nation, for that nation, through that nation is remarkable. The Jew tonight is remarkable. Is it not remarkable that as a race, he was old when Rome was young? Is it not remarkable 
that he has out, outlived every nation and empire that has persecuted him. Is it not remarkable tonight that in the field of endeavor to which he has put his hand, he has known astonishing success? Is it not remarkable tonight that he has defied the laws of history and preserved his racial identity, though scattered in a hundred countries for hundreds and hundreds of years? The story is told of Napoleon that one of his generals asked him what he thought was the greatest miracle of all time. Without hesitation, Napoleon answered the Jew. Israel tonight is one of the greatest phenomena that history has ever witnessed. Even though her neighbors tonight outnumber her 50 to 1, she has proved too strong militarily for them. Even though more than 60,000 votes have been cast against her in the United Nations, she tonight is the nation that will not go away. Why? I want to suggest to you tonight that Israel is the nation that will not go away for three reasons. One, because of its past history. Did you know tonight that the history of Israel is unique? The history of any other nation was written after it happened. Hebrew history, however, was written largely before it happened. When I think of their history tonight, I think of their selection. Some may agree with the old maxim, how odd of God to choose the Jews, odd or not, God most certainly has done so. Keep your finger in Genesis or in Jeremiah 31. Come back to Genesis chapter 12 for a moment. I want you to see the promise that God gave the father of the Hebrew nation. Look at Genesis 12 for a moment and the verse 1. Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless him that bless, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now Abraham was blessed personally, and Abraham was a channel of blessing universally, because it's through the seed of Abraham tonight we have the Savior and we have the Scriptures. But the fulfillment of national blessings promised to Israel have yet to be realized. Link, my dear friends, with the choice of the Jewish race is also the gift of one particular place. God has put a reservation mark on the land and preserved the land for Israel. You remember God's words, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed for, for how long? Tell me. For how long? I can't hear you. Thank you. To thee and to thy seed will I give it for how long? Forever. The title deed was signed by God 4,000 years ago. Indeed, the Jews are continually identified as the chosen people belonging to the God of the Bible. He's called the God of Israel 203 times in the Scriptures. He's never called the God of any other nation. What blessings the Lord has bestowed upon this nation. Let me pause tonight. What about you? I wonder, has God not enriched you with his temporal blessings? 
I, all of us tonight have known the, the temporal blessings of the Lord. Many of you here tonight have known the spiritual blessings. You've been brought up under the sound of the Word of God. You know something tonight of the way of salvation through faith in Christ. Maybe you felt the working of the Spirit of God within you. You know something of the welfare and value of your immortal soul tonight. And yet in spite of all the blessings of God tonight, you're still not saved. I wonder, is that you? I wonder tonight, are you still on the road to hell in spite of the mercies of God? When I think of Israel tonight, I think of their selection. When I think of Israel tonight, I think of their defection. I think it was Dr. James Merritt who said that when God founded the land of Israel, he gave the nation of Israel four things. He gave Israel a land. He gave Israel a law. He gave Israel a language. He gave Israel a Lord. But Israel defiled the land. They defied the law. They deserted the language. They denied the Lord. Because of a rebellion against God, God allowed them to be taken from the land that he promised them as a discipline, as a correction, as a chastisement. The Lord even predicted that this was happen. He said, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. The Lord, thy, the, the Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And thou shalt be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. And what God predicted is exactly what happened. Israel rebelled. They rejected God. They were overwhelmed by pagan nations. They were deported from the land. You remember the words of the Lord Jesus, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles have been fulfilled. For 2,000 years, the Jews have been dispersed. They have been dispelled. They have been displaced. They have been despised by the nations. Jerusalem has been trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. Does that mean that God is through with the Jew? No. For in his providence, we see not only their selection and their defection, we see their correction. God disciplines his earthly people. God chastises his earthly people, but he never completely rejects them. Turn with me to Psalm 89. Just want to show, the, show you this in Psalm 89. Psalm 89 and the verse 28. Psalm 89 and verse 28. Notice what it says. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore. You say, who's the him? Well, if you look down at verse 20, this is Jewish. I have found David my servant. And so when God says, my mercy will I keep for him forevermore, he's talking about David. And my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever. And his throne is the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep, my keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with strife. Nevertheless, 
My loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever. His throne is the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Selah. Now, if you listen carefully, there's a vital principle there. Discipline is not denial. Discipline is not desertion. My friends, God made a promise to the nation of Israel. Come back to Jeremiah 31. Look at verse 10. Jeremiah 31 and verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. O ye nations, declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him, as a shepherd doth his flock. That promise was repeated through Ezekiel. Thus saith the Lord, I will gather you from among the people. I will assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered. I will give you the land of Israel. Have you ever wondered tonight why the Jew cannot be eliminated? Why the Jew cannot be assimilated? Where are the Babylonians tonight? Where are the Amalekites? Where are the Hittites? Where are the Philistines? They are no more. But the Jew still stands. Oh, the world and the devil have tried, but I'm sure to the amazement of both. The most important date in the 20th century, the 14th of May, 1948 finally came to pass and the most important event of the 20th century took place. A nation was born in a day. A nation that was dormant and dead for 2,000 years was raised to life. How do you explain that? By thinking not only of their selection and their defection and their correction, but by thinking of their protection. You know, my dear friends, when this nation was born and recognized by the United Nations, there were approximately 650,000 Jews being in, they were in the land. Do you know what they were surrounded by? They were surrounded by 40 million Arabs who vowed that once Israel came into existence, they would drive them into the sea and destroy them. Dr. James Merritt gives us some important statistics about those days. He tells us, he tells us that that tiny nation was outnumbered in soldiers, out-equipped in arms, outclassed in vehicles. They were outnumbered 40 to 1 in troops, 100 to 1 in population, 1,000 to 1 in military equipment. And the world looked on and thought Israel's birthday will be short-lived. The Jews went to work. They began to pass guns around. They bought ammunition wherever they could. They took boiler plates and welded them to the side of buses to make tanks. And, and you can still see some of those old tanks today. They took hoe handles. They took broomsticks. Anything that looked like a rifle barrel and pretended it was a gun so that it could at least frighten the enemy. They used firecrackers instead of bullets. To make it sound as if the battle was stronger and fiercer than it really was. The Jews fought. And they won against such heavy odds. In one battle, 20,000 Arabs were captured by 400 Israelis. How do you explain that? 
By the time the United Nations stepped in and called for an armistice, this little nation that was supposed to be experimented in just a few hours was 150 miles into Egyptian territory and they were taking more ground every moment. How do you explain that? I'll tell you how I explain it. The fight was fixed. In 1967... In that famous war, now called the Six-Day War, this time Israel outnumbered 80 to 1 in just six days, defeated Egypt, Syria and Jordan. And when the war was finished, they had amassed three times the land mass of their original territory. I tell you tonight, there's an invisible hand on these people, and it's the hand of God. Do you know what it would take to destroy Israel? Well, look at Jeremiah 31 for a moment. Jeremiah 31, look at verse 35. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves are off roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. If the sun quits rising, if the moon quits shining, if the waves of the sea roll no more, then Israel will cease to exist. I wonder, have you stepped into this building tonight? And you also have known God's care, you've known God's providence. The very fact that you're here tonight is an indication of the goodness of God to your soul. Sinner friend tonight, he's guarded your steps. He's protected you in that illness, in that accident, in that hospitalization. I wonder tonight, will you not allow the goodness of God to lead you to repentance? I suggest to you tonight that Israel is the nation that will not go away because of its past history. But look again. Israel tonight is the nation that will not go away because of its present reality. There's no doubt tonight that God is working out his plan for the Jew today. There is the sign of a revived nation. Three different trees in scripture are used as symbols of Israel. The vine tree speaks of Israel's past. The olive tree speaks of Israel's future. The fig tree speaks of Israel's present. The Lord Jesus spoke about this. When he spoke of the fig tree symbolizing Israel's present blossoming. You remember what he said. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye when ye see these things come to pass. Know ye that the kingdom of God is at hand. Verily I say unto you this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. The fig tree tonight symbolizing Israel's present is blossoming. The land has been revived. God promised this would happen. Israel shall blossom and blood and fill the face of the world with fruit. Fifty years ago or so, you went to Israel and 60% of the land was barren desert. And yet you go there tonight and you see rocks turned into diamonds, desert turned into farmland. The land has been revived. The law has been reinstituted. Even though God-fearing Jews tonight only make up 5% of the population, the foundation, the cornerstone of the law, the Sabbath has been established, and from sun up to sundown on the Sabbath, restaurants are closed, buses do not run, there is no television. 
But what is even more amazing, the language has been resurrected. It's been resurrected by a man by the name of Eliezer ben Yehuda. And he took a vow to rear his children and to speak to his children only in Hebrew language. And he fought until the 23rd of September 1922. The League of Nations officially recognized Hebrew as a spoken language of the world. And tonight, Israel takes its place among the nations of the world. It's military strong, it's economically robust, it is religiously active. You may not know it tonight, but the Jews are not a great people in number. Only one quarter of one percent of the Jewish nation, of the world's population, is Jewish. And yet they have won twelve percent of all the honors of the world in health and music and public life and medicine and science. I don't know whether you know this tonight, but practically every day you live, you're affected in some way or another by a Jew. Wonder have you taken an aspirin for a headache today, Bayer, who developed the aspirin that was a Jew? Wonder have you been vaccinated for polio? Joseph Stock was a Jew. I wonder have you gone to the dentist and had him deaden your gums? The thought of it would turn you. But he began before he began to drill away. Well, Stitcher, who developed Novocone, was a Jew. I wonder have you been to a psychiatrist? Sigmund Freud, the father of psychoanalysis, was a Jew. I wonder, have you ever taken vitamins? Funk, the man who developed and discovered vitamins, was a Jew. I wonder, have you ever given money to the Salvation Army or been helped by the Salvation Army? Will William Booth of the Salvation Army had a Jewish mother, which according to Jewish law made William Booth a Jew? I wonder tonight, are you a student of philosophy? Spinoza, the father of philosophy, was a, was a Jew. Karl Marx, the father of communism, was a Jew. The greatest scientist who ever lived, Albert Einstein, who discovered the theory of relativity, was a Jew. Tonight, there's the sign of a restored nation, a revived nation. Also, tonight, there's a sign of a restored city. Every year at Passover, the Jews in exile ple- pledge to each other, Next year in Jerusalem. And that aspiration from the heart of the psalmist reflects the the sentiment of the psalm. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her coming. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Tonight, the whole city of Jerusalem is in the hand of the Israelis. It has been declared to be their eternal capital, much to the consternation of the Palestinians. After the Six-Day War, the Jews were able to visit the western wall of the temple for the first time in almost 2,000 years. And when they took the city on the 7th of June 1967, Mushi Dayan, the brilliant Israeli commander, placed a small paper in the crevice of the western wall with these words, We have reached the holiest of our holy places, never to return. And all of that reminds us of the words of our Savior. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Today, tonight, the Jew is back in the land. The holy city belongs to Israel again. Tonight, the Jews are worshipping at the Wailing Wall, the only remaining part of Herod's temple. Surely the signs all seem to say, His coming is not far away. Rejoice, ye saints. 
he may come today. Israel is the nation that will not go away because of its past history. Israel is the nation that will not go away because of its present reality. Here's the final thought. Israel is the nation tonight that will not go away because of its future glory. Is God through with the Jew? Well, a lot of people tell us that God is through with the Jew. A lot of people tell us tonight that the church has replaced Israel. Do you remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 11? He says, Hath God cast away his people? And his immediate reply was, God forbid. And in Greek, it carries the meaning, may it never be. It is the strongest negative declaration in the Bible. Is God through with the Jew? Well, look at Jeremiah 31 for a moment or two. Look at verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Israel, which covenant they break, although I was an husband to them. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they teach and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. If you go to the land of Israel tonight, you know that this has not happened. But if you believe the word of God, Lord, tonight you know that it's going to happen. You say, hard. Well, according to the Bible, Israel will be restored to the land. Are we not witnessing the beginning of that future restoration? Jeremiah prophesied, For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Is Israel to be restored to the land to be sure? Tonight, in Israel, there's a population of 7 million Jews, and they're still coming. Israel will be restored to the land. Something else, Israel will be reassured by the Antichrist. Daniel, speaking of the Antichrist, says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Think of it tonight. A peace settlement in the Middle East that will settle for all time the Arab-Israeli conflict. The Jews encouraged to rebuild their temple. Orthodox Jews tell us tonight that the temple cannot be rebuilt until Messiah comes, that he will initiate the temple project. And because Antichrist will make possible the building of the temple. The Jews will be deceived into thinking that this is the Messiah and they will worship him. But in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. The Antichrist will turn against Israel and Israel will be refined through the tribulation. My dear friends, God tonight is not through refining the nation of Israel. And that's why they continue to suffer. Do you know one of the purposes of the Great Tribulation is to purify Israel? 
That's why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. The great tribulation will be a time of unprecedented trouble for Israel. But through it, rebelliousness will be purged away. The nation will be prepared to receive her Messiah. Israel restored to the land. Israel reassured through the Antichrist. Israel refined through the tribulation. Israel redeemed by the Lord. For God says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Just like the Calvary in the old cowboy films, the Lord is going to come at the last moment, and he's going to deliver, he's going to deliver Israel from certain destruction. You know, when that happens, I want you to know this Israel's response. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication and they shall look on me whom they have praised. The phrase look on me means look unto me. Scales of blindness will fall from Israel's eyes. Her heart will be softened toward the Lord Jesus. And in an instant an entire nation will not only be saved physically but spiritually. You know what Paul tells us in Romans 11? All Israel shall be saved. All Israel shall be saved. I wonder tonight, are you saved? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Jesse Hoover was a missionary to the Jews in Denver, Colorado. One day he was traveling in a car with a Jewish rabbi, and they, as they drove up to the synagogue, the rabbi said to his friend, Mr. Hoover, you Gentile Christians are looking for the second coming of the Lord Jesus, and we Jews are looking for the first coming of our Messiah. Who knows but that he might be the same person? Rabbi paused for a moment, and then he said, Mr. Hoover, how do you think we'll recognize our Messiah? Quietly and reverently, the missionary read from the words of Zechariah, And they shall look on me whom they have pierced. The rabbi was silent as he got out of the car and made his way into the synagogue. My friends, the day is coming when Israel, though blind at present, will recognize the Lord Jesus as their Messiah, and he who was crucified by them will be received by them. I want to tell you tonight, I love this land. I respect this people. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the hope of Israel tonight is not on a land, it's in the Lord. The hope of Israel tonight is not in missiles, it's not in might, it's not in manpower, it's not in money, it's in a master. Her only hope tonight is in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. The King is coming. Are you ready? You see, have you ever recognized the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Have you ever stood under the shadow of Calvary, realized that he shed that royal red ruby blood 
on your behalf. Let's stand for a moment under the shadow of the cross. Let's count the purple drops of blood that flow from his head, his hands, his feet, his side. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love or sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a cry? Sinner tonight, will you come to the cross? Will you taste and see that the Lord is good? And then you'll be able to join John in saying, Even so come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Let's just take that moment or two of quietness tonight. Maybe you've walked into this hall tonight and into this church building and you're not saved. My friend, let me just remind you again, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. In the little town that I live in, in Moira, that verse is on the wall. It's been there for years and years. How true it is. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Are you saved? If Christ came tonight, would you be caught up? Or would you be caught on? Get right with God. Do it now. Get right with God, he tells you how. Oh, come to Christ who shed his blood and at the cross get right with God. Father, we thank you for the plan that you have, the purpose for the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 11. And we thank you, Lord, that though Israel blind at present will one day look upon him whom they have pierced and they will say, Blessed is he that comes. In the name of the Lord, we thank you, our Father, that that day they will recognize him and they will receive him. We pray, Lord, tonight for some in this gathering not seen. We pray tonight that they might recognize and receive the Lord Jesus as their very own Savior tonight. We ask it for Christ's sake. Amen.